Yeah, me too. All right, welcome to another episode of Double B Creates. We are talking to Nick Maytash today. And this gentleman is an author. He wrote a book recently called Moving Past Mediocre. Find it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. He's a men co men's coach. Um, and he also runs a podcast with Julian Rosen. Hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> called The New School of Success. And honestly, I've met this guy in person. Uh, we've kind of followed each other for a couple of years. And in my opinion, my, my personal opinion, he is probably the most genuine person that you'll ever meet. Like he just radiates like I'm a good dude. <laughs> so we're super excited to have you on here. Just embarrassing. And uh, thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time. Thanks, man. I really, really appreciate it. It's very kind words. Um, I'll take that. I am a, I like to be a decent dude. I'll take that. Thanks. <laughs> so what, uh, what's your history? What's your background? Like from what I understand you were teaching at some point and then moved into coaching or are you still teaching? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still teaching. It's actually my 10th year uh, as a teacher. Um, and then, so along the path of teaching, I met my now wife and she lived an hour and a half away from where I grew up and we dated long distance for a bit. I ended up moving towards her and eventually, obviously we got married because she's now my wife. And uh, <laughs> um, after we got married, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole of personal development because I was like, okay, I want to be a good dude for my wife. And you know, I mean, I was a pretty good dude as it was, but I just wanted to be maximum top dog, make sure I'm taking care of her, my kids as they are born in the future. Um, and that kind of tailspinned into me sharing what I was learning through personal developments and like reading books, listening to podcasts, having coaches that coached me. And that kind of parlayed into after sharing it for, for so long, um, ended up coaching some guys myself. And basically I'm, I'm coaching guys that are in a similar place to that I was before, whether it be that they're newly married or newly dads or something like that. They just know that they have this itch to be more, do more, and just kind of create a, a bigger life for themselves. And that's where I was, and I'm still doing that, but that's kind of the, the guys that I end up coaching at this point um, because I've lived through that. And so, yeah, that was probably, let's see, that was like three or four years ago. Um, so the whole time during that three or four years, I've been teaching and coaching. Um, I think in the next three to five years, it's going to be transitioning out of teaching and into full-time coaching because um, the last, so this last summer was the first time I never, I've always done a summer job between the school years because it's usually pretty easy money, especially summer school. And this past summer, since my coaching business was doing well, I was like, all right, I'm just going to take the summer off and just hang out with my family and do my coaching thing. Um, and just being home with my wife and my daughter for the summer and having my own schedule and all of that stuff um, completely ruined the idea of like playing both of these things at this point. I was just like, you know what? This is amazing. I'm just going to coach full time at some point. I'm going to kind of gradually work my way into it. Um, and I know in the next three to five years, that should that should not be a problem at all. So, uh, yeah, still teaching, coaching. Uh, in the past year, I wrote a book, which was really, really fun for me. Writing was kind of the way that I used to share the stuff I was learning, like I was talking about before. I had a blog and still do, but I don't really use it. And that was my medium of sharing and expressing what I was learning and helping uh, others through that. And then this idea of writing a book popped in my head. And I just sat down and I started writing like six months later and out came a book. Um, 
so yeah, that, that launched in May. Uh, Julian and I put the podcast together over the summer and that launched in August. And it's, uh, it's been a really fun ride because um, I was actually being interviewed for a podcast last night. I think the podcasting part has been the most fun because having like just jovial and, and um, lighthearted conversations about these things, uh, about the personal development world have been just the lightest and most fun part of the whole thing. The writing the book was awesome just for me. Um, the coaching is amazing, it's, but it's also kind of deep in certain places. The coaching or the, the podcasting has just been awesome. So I love having conversations like these and, and that's why Julian and I just enjoy the, the process of doing that ourselves. And that's kind of where I am now, my husband, father, all of that, that fun stuff. And yeah, life is good. So Brad had a similar story with his wife. Oh yeah, tell me more, Brad. Hello, a little bit more. Uh, okay. My wife, uh, I met over oh two years now, I think. Yes, yeah, been. Okay. And uh, she was in Boston though, but she came and saw her family, and so we were on a dating app, mm. and she did almost everything I did except she, she did Olympic weightlifting, which okay. I tease her about it because I'm a powerlifter. Okay. And uh, I told her that I hunt. It's non-negotiable. You don't get to say when I get to go, when I don't get to go. I'm just going to go hunt. Okay. And uh, then I went out to Boston and met her in uh -huh. person for the first time at the airport. Uh -huh. and everybody thought I was retarded and stupid for making that trip. But I'm like, I had a backup. You think if she'd have went, yeah, you're a dog? Uh, no, I'm good. I drove <laughs> <laughs> He was one of them. He's like, what I the see. hell are you doing? That's usually the, the reaction that uh, friends will, will give when, when guys are taking some kind of leap like that. Like even for me, so my wife's an hour and a half away from my hometown. Um, I remember the first date that we had, I drove out to see her. I kind of kept it in secret because I didn't like my friends to react in a negative way. So I was just kind of keeping it on the low. And my buddy texts me and he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm going to come over. And I made up some lame ass excuse. Like I'm actually like cleaning my closet. So you wouldn't want to be here. It's boring. And uh, he's like, no, that's cool. I'll just come kick it while you're doing. I'm like, oh, uh, actually I'm driving down the throughway right now as I'm talking to you uh, because I lied because I didn't want you to make fun of me, but I'm going to see this girl that I met three nights ago at the bar. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm not surprised that your friends gave you a hard time for, for heading out to Boston. Yeah, it was it was fun though. I mean, it was really great. Um, her friends were awesome. Um, she'll duck hunt now. She okay. she won't shoot big game because she just can't get past killing Bambi. So yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I could see that being like a a barrier for for women. <laughs> I think yeah. that my wife just really completely she wouldn't want anything to do with any of it. But I know that that would be the big sticking point if she had a, a threshold. Um, something like that. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about it until you two were talking. Um, so we're in Utah and I was in Salt Lake when I met, I actually went to high school with my wife, so I already knew her, but like we re-met over uh, social media. Okay. She was living in Southern Utah down in St. Okay. George when we met and then she moved back up to Salt Lake. So mm. We all kind of actually have that in common. I see. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, and then he moved down to central Utah, and now we got to do this. <laughs> you know what? 
Absolutely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Except for the move sucked. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think moving even like a, a block away is not fun. We had to move an entire house three hours south. Yeah. In a rainstorm. Well, yeah, that adds <laughs> elements to it. I told my wife, anytime that we move from here on out, like we're hiring movers because I just don't like carrying things. I, and we've done the last couple moves that we've had, we've hired movers and it's been smaller moves. Like this is our, our first house. So every time we move from here on out, we're going to be carrying more shit with us. But especially as we have more kids. But um, yeah, carrying like beds and dressers up narrow stairways that have weird pivot points and everything. It's just not my game anymore. Oh, so yeah. Movers it is. I don't care the expense. <laughs> it's a good thing that I've literally helped every friend that I know of move. And so I have a lot of you omis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got to put those in the bank and cash them in at the right time. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so you said you wrote a book. What's the book about? So the book, it's called Moving Past Mediocre. And it's kind of the, the subtitle of the book is unlocking your mind to create the life that you've always imagined. So the book is structured in three parts and the, its intent is to give you a vision or an idea of what your mind actually does so that you can unlock it and actually use it to your advantage. So the first part of the book is about the subconscious mind and kind of giving you some insight as to um, how that automatic part of your brain just works and works and works without you ever noticing it. And it talks about how some of these things are good, like it allows you to drive somewhere without thinking about every every single turn and every single blinker and every single you know break and everything like that. It allows you to brush your teeth and walk without having to think about every single step. So obviously there's gifts that come with that, um, but there's also some curses as well because just like those patterns are automatic and we don't think about them, there's a lot of like beliefs and and the ways that we think about ourselves or the world that are automatic that we never really address or think about because they're just on that subconscious level. So the first part of the book is really showing you some of those quote unquote negative patterns of your subconscious mind. So you're aware that it's like one, not your fault. And two, like it's there now that you know about it, what can you do about it type thing, giving you some awareness. So the first part of the book is about that. Second part of the book is about how to kind of get into your subconscious mind so you can play with it a little bit. Because if I just told you like, hey, this is what your subconscious mind does and then wrap the book there, cool. It's like a nightmare waiting to happen. Um, so the second part of the book is how do you get in there? So that's things like meditation and journaling and hiring coaches and mentors that can kind of call you on your shit. Because you know, if you have this one way of thinking and this guy that you know has done other things, has seen other things, sees it in a different way, he can see your blind spots and be able to help you in that way. Um, so that's the, the second part of the book is how do you rewire or get into your subconscious mind? And then the third part of the book is kind of once you have some awareness around what your mind does, how to get in there and change it up a little bit. The third part of the book is how can we use your mind to create something in a powerful and intentional way? So things like, you know, uh, being super responsible for your own thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and being taking full ownership of those things. Um, like owning who you are and not being weird about your quirks, your, like you were saying, like, I'm going to hunt and I don't, I don't want you to tell me when or where I can go hunt. Like, that's you. That's cool. And like owning that is, is a part of 
creating the life that you want because if you try to pretend that you're something that you're not or anything like that like i'm not a hunter so that's if i'm owning myself like i definitely would not put that in my category but um if i was trying to create the life that meant something to me trying to incorporate hunting just because i felt like maybe somebody else would appreciate that would kind of be a waste of my time um you know what i mean so the third part of the book is really just owning who you are owning all your actions all your thoughts all your beliefs um, now that you know what your mind does, like really taking ownership of what you're doing, what you're thinking and everything like that and using that to your own advantage. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the book in a nutshell, just kind of three parts laid out in hopefully entertaining fashion. Cause, um, throughout the book, there's a lot of little stories about me. So like every chapter has some kind of silly story about me or, um, somewhat serious stories. Like I have stories about uh, towards the end of the book talking about, just kind of the the realness of life and death and how we just kind of throw words around like hey we're alive or hey people die like it doesn't feel real when you just say the words but um like the in the the book i tell the story of the summer of 2017 was um like i i literally had both of them in the same room because my my grandma was on not her deathbed but she was very very sick she was in the hospital and she had been smoking for years. So, you know, this happened often. She would kind of have bouts of going to the hospital and not, uh, you know, kind of going back and forth. So it wasn't too crazy for us to be at the hospital visiting her. Um, but on that specific occasion that I went to go visit her, I had just found out that I was going to be a dad. And I brought an ultrasound to surprise my grandma and say like, hey, your, your grandson's going to be a dad. Um, so we kind of celebrated and, and uh, talked about what that's going to be like and everything. And so the, I tell this whole story in the book and, you know, just how it was good to see my grandma. And I don't see her that often because she also lived back where I, I grew up and I've been out here for now five years. Um, and that was the last time I saw my, my grandma alive. So like having life and talking about this new life that was coming into my family and also knowing that in, in retrospect, that was the last time I saw, you know, my grandma alive put death and life in the same room for me. So like using that and using stories of mine to give context to some of the things that I talk about throughout the book, um, hopefully in some ways, either entertaining or, uh, you know, kind of give you a little bit more flavor to it rather than just saying like, Hey, life is real. And so is death. And that's it. So that's kind of the shtick of the book <laughs> in a nutshell. It's a very long nutshell, but it's there. <laughs> I dig it. Um, it's available on Amazon. I actually just added it to my cart. I'm going to buy the paperback, but the Kindle version is free because I like to support my friends. Thank you, man. I appreciate uh, it. Oh, I'm excited to read it. Oh, good, good, good. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Fingers crossed. It's halfway <laughs> decent. It's actually a book that is a bunch of blank pages, but I've been telling everybody about the stories and everything, and then they get it and nobody's happy. You got it. Yes. Yes. You make it your own. That's the point. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> like a coloring book. Right. Right. <laughs> that is right. Uh, <laughs> except for I know some people that would fail a coloring book test. <laughs> that's that's an interesting thing to fail. Like if, <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna fail something, that's uh here's a cross. That's what happens when you live in Utah. You meet some people and you're like, you made it past 15? I mean, I, I think 
that's probably not exclusive to Utah. Because <laughs> I mean, I live in upstate New York, and um, uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's interesting characters everywhere. <laughs> yeah, also true. Um, when you coach, I'm, I'm curious to know because everyone has their own style. Everyone sure. kind of hyper focuses on a certain area. Yeah. Uh, when you when you pick up a new client, where do you start? So yeah, my my approach, and I'm just I'm taking cobwebs away from the top of my computer. Don't <laughs> mind me. Uh, my approach is probably unique in the. Um, in the world of men's coaching, because uh, at least from my perception, the people that I'm friends with on Facebook, the people that I follow and everything, uh, the men's coaching world is, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's it's very kind of hyper-masculine and kind of in your face and like you need to go out there and be somebody and you have to go and hustle and grind and all this stuff. <clears throat> and there's a place for putting in work and there's a place for taking action and all of that. But I think there's this other side of the coin that a lot of men either don't have a skill set in or don't um, openly acknowledge and, and embrace within themselves, which is their emotional side, their emotional self. So the place that I always start with my clients, and it's not that we kind of get on the call. I'm like, all right, man, we're going to cry our eyes out here so that we can really get into the moment with each other. And Hey, if that happens, I'm down with it. I can ro roll with it. But what I, I do in terms of the emotional side and the emotional self is I ask them just you know, like, why would you hire a coach? Why, why are you interested in working with me? And usually that, comes back to, you know, they have some kind of goal that they want to accomplish. And most, you know, adult humans have some form of goal, whether it's tangible and they know exactly what it is or some kind of general, you know, I want to get a better job or I want to get a better, bigger house or, you know, I want to travel to X, Y, and Z. So we kind of dive into those. And then from those things that they have as goals, we assess kind of what is the emotional backdrop of what that means to you or how you're going to feel when you get that thing. So like if you're, hoping to travel and that's something that's big on your to-do list. That often means you want a sense of freedom in your life and maybe you're missing that right now. Um, if you're looking to find a partner, that means you're probably lacking or, or looking for love in your life. Or if you want more money, which, hey, it's America and most people want more money. Um, that means you're probably looking for either some more, more security or that also could mean freedom because when you have more money, you tend to be able to be free to do whatever you want um, in terms of like, either going on vacation or, you know, buying more things at Christmas or whatever you want, hence the freedom. So we just kind of look into what their goals are and try to get that emotional backdrop so that rather than just working tirelessly towards this goal in hopes that it's going to give us the freedom or the security or the love or the peace or the joy or whatever, how can we bring that emotion into what you're doing every single day? Because the emotional part of it is available to us always. Like, if your goal is to make $100,000 this year, I can't promise you that $100,000 is available in this very moment. I mean, it is in a way, but like for your current situation and circumstances, is it possible to jump from where you are to 100 grand? That's not a feasible promise, but I can make the promise that if behind the $100,000 goal, it's to feel more secure and have a little more freedom, you can do something in the next 24 hours that kind of gives you a hit or gives you this reminder that, oh, I am secure. Or, oh, I'm free to make choices in my life that maybe I wasn't really conscious of before. Um, so it's really just giving them a new lens to live, live life and kind of take action through because it's not like we take those goals and then say, all right, this doesn't matter anymore because we're just trying to feel stuff, man. It's just, I want you to have the goal. I want you to work hard for it. And that's part of the process. But know that the whole time that you're working towards it, you're allowed to feel 
the freedom and the love and the joy and the peace that you're looking for behind like <laughs> I always kind of describe it like you're trapping this emotional part of this kind of in a in a cage behind the goal and you don't have to do that like you can set it free let it come out and play and have it be a part of the process and when you get there it's still going to feel great but you get to experience that kind of emotional hit along the way so that's kind of my angle to it is is giving um giving my guys like a proactive almost mindfulness, emotional uh, filter to live and act through so that as they pursue whatever they're going to do, because as men, the masculine energy is like go, go. And, and you know, we want to go out and, and make our money and build our houses and do all the things that manly men do or whatever. But if we ignore the, uh, the idea that we're supposed to or want to feel something along the way, like it feels like a very empty road of doing that and a frustrating road. So it's really just how can we embrace that up front so that it's a little bit more enjoyable along the way. Yeah. So that's it. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. It also sounds a little bit to me like um, more or less reversing conditioning for men. Yeah. Right. Conditioned to like, if you get hurt, walk it off. It'll like, you know, you got to be tough. You can't cry. You got to do this and you have to do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have a really hard time, especially men at that point, kind of getting in touch with other sides of them because they have to be this big burly, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, I was, so I was uh, talking to a guy last night and he was asking about why, why it's so important for, um, for men, especially fathers and husbands to like have a, a tangible sense of what their emotions are. I mean, when you have a woman in your life or a kid in your life who are naturally going to be emotional, you know, having the skill set of being able to navigate it for yourself. So you can also be a partner in that to somebody else. Like if you don't have that for yourself, um, it, it can be frustrating for the people that are, are looking for that from you. Um, but it also can be frustrating not understanding the language that they're speaking. Because if, if you don't understand emotion and, and you've been cut off from that because of the conditioning, like it, it's almost like the people that you love the most are speaking a different language. And you're like, okay, I, I don't know what you're telling me. It's because, you know, guys tend to shut off that emotional valve because of what we've seen, what we've been told. Like, you know, I remember playing little league baseball, you get hit with a ball and they're like, don't rub that. Don't show them that you're hurt. Don't show them that you're in pain. Like this fucking hurts. Are you kidding me? I can't rub this. And just like that notion that it's, you know, suck it up. It's going to be okay. Like just keep choking it down, keep choking it down, keep, keep shoving it under the, the, um, the surface. Um, it either shuts it off completely for guys or at some point it just pops off and then it's just like, I don't even know what to do with this. So it's really kind of a coming back to what's it like to actually feel something and, and embrace that and not act like it's weird. Um, because it just kind of allows you to be in the moment and, and feel a little bit more uh, in touch with it rather than like just saying, all right, once I get that hundred grand, it's going to feel amazing and it will feel amazing, but it's also going to fade as fast as that hundred grand hit the bank account and then left because you went and bought something or whatever. Like it's not going to stay. Um, so it's really about how can I do that and, and make it a practice rather than just like this one moment in time when the event comes to pass, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. That's, that's actually kind of probably re relieving for a lot of guys once they figure out that side too. I mean, 
Yeah. I had to learn it the hard way with getting a wife because I was go, go, go all the time. It don't matter. I grew up with a dad that was in the Marine Corps for eight years and emotion was never a thing. Sure. And so I learned that. And my wife's like, no, you have to get in with your feminine side. I don't have one. She goes, you're married. You need to get one. <laughs> Good for your wife. Um, <laughs> I mean, even my wife, like I, I think I had a, a natural, uh, sense of my emotional self. I think I've always kind of been a softy, a hopeless romantic, but, um, you know, there's definitely been times where my ego wants to pipe up and, and kind of have that masculine, like, I'm fine. No, I'm, I'm really okay. Like I'm, I'm okay. And, um, you know, she's like, it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to like be upset or like be like really in the moment with our daughter or something and, and be moved by that. Like that's normal. And it's not that it has to be masculine or feminine. It's just a human thing. Like it's, we're all built with the same template of how that works. It's just that guys either by choice or by, by conditioning just see that as, nah, that's not for me. And it's like, you're kind of missing out. It's weird. I like that. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I mean, especially in, like is November for November. I know it used to be mainly about, like prostate cancer or something and, and awareness around that. But I think it's kind of cycled back into also some men, men's mental health and being aware of how it is okay to not be okay and to have someone to talk to about it because there's just, um, it, there's just too many guys that are, I mean, if you look at the, the statistics for depression and suicide and things like that, like it's rampant with men. It's, it's just so many, and even like, um, all of the, the mass shooters and everything, it is men, men, men. It's all guys that are really, really conflicted. And it's probably because we've been conditioned that you're not supposed to feel something, whether it be good or bad. And when it comes up and it doesn't feel great, we just get so used to pushing it back down that, you know, when, when guys don't know how to handle that, of course it's going to go haywire. Um, so it's not that the guys are coming to me with a sense that they are in need of, of kind of working through that, but by giving them the skill set of like, Hey, this is what we're going to use to, to kind of view your life with and, and view your actions with. Um, they just kind of intertwine it into their lives. And I mean, they seem to be doing okay <laughs> under my, under my uh, watch. And I hope that it continues that way. You know, uh, when you mentioned that, Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I was like, didn't we just buy this like 30 minutes ago? Come on. Well, and I was thinking, I was like, wait, oh, it's because I set it up with the free account. And so the meeting was still hosted by that. I see. I see. You scheduled it before and then you upgraded. I see. Yeah. I suck. <laughs> We're learning. We're new. We're learning. I'm new at this. I mean, that's, uh, that's the name of the game, you know? You fumble through, you fumble through. We're going to be successful because we're going to fail our way there. That's right. Mm. I've heard that that works. Most of the people that are successful say that. So anyway, um, we were talking about suicide and things like that. And I think Good it's stuff. a really big topic because everybody that you'll ever meet knows somebody who has committed suicide. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a couple of degrees of separation at, at the very most, like, but yeah, it's because it is 
I mean, I think it's probably rising. I don't know official statistics, but it just feels like it's more a part of the conversation. Um, I actually, so there's, um, there's this, this uh, nonprofit organization called This Is My Brave. Um, and it's basically, uh, they, they do these showcases where people that have uh, either mental illness or have had suicidal thoughts or tendencies, and uh, it gives them an opportunity to stand on stage and kind of share their story. And it's called This Is My Brave. And they kind of share what they've gone through and everything like that. And a friend of mine was a part of the organization for a while. Um, so when it was Men's Mental Health Day, I think is like in June or something. So she reached out to me knowing that I'm a men's coach, um, just kind of following me and, and being a friend of mine and, and said like, hey, if you want to contribute an article for Men's Mental Health Day, like that would be amazing. So I actually got to, to write an article and like look up some statistics for men's mental health and like looking at some of the suicide rates and everything like that. And it's like 90 something percent. It's men out of the people that commit suicide. It's like for every... Um, I think it's like seven to one or something like that. Men to women. It's the, I mean, the statistics were nuts. And it's the, the point that I tried to make in the article was not that we can solve everything by talking about this stuff, but so many men, the reason that it comes to that is because they haven't shared it with anybody. And I think if you look at the two, two genders, males and females, there's going to be more sharing. There's going to be like, Hey, I'm having a really hard time. There's going to be like leaning on a friend and saying like, listen, this is what's going on in my life right now from a female's perspective. And like just having, you know, my wife and everything, I know that that is, is part of their conversations. It's what I'm going through. These are the hard times I'm having. Um, and they, they share, they hold space for each other and everything. Guys, just what we're good at in general is busting each other's balls and like, talking shit, talking about the game, talking about fantasy football, talking about hunting, talking about things that feel masculine so that we don't have to open up and, and talk about our emotions and feelings. And I mean, that was just kind of the premise of the article was like, if we start talking to each other about real stuff, when real stuff happens, maybe we could make these statistics at least shrink a little bit um, because it's the, the stats are nuts. It's crazy. I think that adds to conditioning as well because the the typical status quo or whatever is like, oh, if you share your feelings, you're vulnerable, and that makes you a big pussy. You can't do that, you know. Right. It's like, yeah, uh, right. It's just because like, the so the person that has the the information to share the story that they need to share, it, they feel weird and uncomfortable about it. But on the other side of that, the reason that guys do that and, and have that reaction of like, oh, you're such a pussy or like, don't, don't be like that. Don't be gay, whatever. Like uh, anything that a guy would retort with is because the person that's receiving the information also feels uncomfortable. It's just like this gigantic circle of uncomfortable men that don't want to be a part of that conversation. But the like counterintuitive thing is like that is that like we need to find a way to be comfortable with it. Because if we could actually just sit with other dudes and say like, it's okay to be, it's okay to not be okay. And let that be the theme and let that kind of sit there in the middle of the conversation. Um, I mean, I don't think it's going to delete suicide and make it not a thing because mental illness is an illness, but it can definitely decrease some of the people that kind of slide into it out of just silence, you know? It's going to be the quote of the week. I'll take it. <laughs> Really yeah. awesome. I mean, even with my work, I work in the sewer, in the sewer industry. Um, okay. There's actually a hotline for each plant. 
okay. uh, in the state of Utah for that because there's a lot of people that have issues. Some battle happen almost every day, and so they you can call and vent, and you, they'll I mean they'll sit and I call the guy. Um, we found um, we we found a lot of bad stuff one day come through, and I mean it messed a lot of us up. Okay. And, uh, so we I mean we we probably spent two or three hours on the phone talking to those guys. Okay. And I think, I think people discount how good it is and for your, not only for your mental state, but almost your soul to be able to vent to somebody and get it out. Cause if you just sit and let it, you know, become something that's just going to get worse over time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's half of it is just releasing it from yourself. Um, I, <laughs> I, I've gotten much better at this, but my wife has commented to me before that, half the time that she's talking to me or like sharing and venting, she's not looking for a solution. She's just looking for a place to kind of get this out of her. Right. Uh, I think a lot of guys share this, this like need to solve something and like, Oh, let me help you with that. And that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for similar to what you're saying is just a place and a person to kind of unload some of this, not in a way that needs to be fixed or solved or worked through. It's just, I need to get it off of my chest. So it doesn't sit with me and be a part of my emotional state for too long. Um, yeah, it's, it's powerful because otherwise it's just banging around in your brain and <laughs> your memory of it just sits and stays. And as time passes, your memory of it is just going to get more colorful and get, um, you know, highlight the things that probably weren't that fun and just, it's going to distort it and everything. Like the sooner you get it off your chest, the easier it is to move through it and process it. And you don't even have to figure it out. Like that's the beautiful part. Like you don't have to solve a mystery. It's just that I need to go with this and tell someone. Yeah, I'm especially bad when my wife wants to vent. I'm like, yeah, let's fix it. No, I just want to vent. I don't want to fix sure. it. I'm like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> let's fix something. If you're going to come to me and vent, let's fix the thing. <laughs> right. No, it's hard, man. It is so difficult. I mean, especially to like part, like my business is coaching. So I like sit with people, sit with guys that are coming to me with sometimes issues, but other times it's just like something I'm trying to figure out, something worth it. Like, that's part of the gig is to help them navigate whatever their mind is doing, whatever they're thinking about. And so like I get in a conversation with my wife and I have to consciously click off and like, not a coach right now, not a coach right now. You are a husband. That's what you're here for. Just listen, just listen, just listen. And I've gotten better at it, but that, I mean, God bless my wife. Cause she actually like holds me to it. And like, it, it does make me a better husband, a better human too, because she could just as easily say like, Oh, you're a really good dude. Like I'll just let it slide. But, I've gotten better at it because she's like, no, just let me talk. It's fine. It's <laughs> You can let me go. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard for a lot of guys. I don't think I've met a guy that's like, yes, I'm just a space. I'm just a, a sounding board because <laughs> we're, we're wired to fix and to go and to do. That's like the masculine energy. The feminine energy is just free flowing. Let, let us just let it go. And so it's the yin and the yang, but at the same time, like it's our wiring and we just have to practice it. It's fun. I think uh, Frank Sell referred to that, <clears throat> to that as the uh, feminine divine. Yeah. That's okay. right. Yeah. Yeah, they are divine, aren't they? I must say. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about pretty much the same thing, talking about uh, basically just channeling your feminine energy to kind of get on that same level, just like you said. Um, not have to be, you know, <laughs> old guy 
let me come in and save you. I don't need to be saved. I just want to tell you about Rebecca from work or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> freaking Karen, you know? Freaking Karen. <laughs> Respect my trip, Karen. <laughs> oh, man. We're so weird. Yeah. All right, so what got you into coaching? What What made you turn to coaching from whatever you were doing? So, yeah, it's, um, there was a, a time. So I, I kind of shared before that I, after I got married, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of personal development, all that fun stuff. And then I started sharing what I was learning through my website, movingpastmediocre.com. So that's where moving past mediocre kind of originated. And then, um, I found, do you guys know who Tommy Baker is? Tommy yeah. Baker was at the first meltdown. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was, I mean, he was earlier in his journey too, but he started a mastermind and it was his first mastermind or group coaching thing. And um, I'd been listening to his podcast for a while and I was like, you know what? I think this is the next thing for me because I had been listening to podcasts, reading books and kind of doing it on my own for a while. Um, so I jumped into it. And, you know, he asked me in the beginning, he's like, so what do you want to come of this? It was like eight to 12 weeks or something like that uh, of a program. And I was like, you know, I just want to grow the website, grow the blog and just try to, you know, continue to push that out to the masses to, you know, let more people read it. And that was my goal in the beginning. And then I got into this, this mastermind and um, I think it was nine or 10 guys and I would say five to seven of them were either life coaches, fitness coaches, um, just guys that were helping other people in some dynamic. It didn't have to be life coaches or whatever. And, um, you know, in the beginning I was super intimidated because I'm like, I'm, I'm not on the same level as these guys. I'm just a random teacher that happens to have a, a blog and I'm just kind of hanging out with you guys. But, you know, as it, as it tends to happen, like you find out that you're just as human as the next person that's there. I get in these conversations with these guys. I, I kind of sense that I have, um, I mean, through my, through my actual, you know, full, full-time job as a teacher, my job is to educate kids with difficult information, right? And coaching is kind of the same thing. You're educating them through like their mindset and their emotions and like giving them insight into themselves rather than giving them insight for my kids. It's, it's trigonometry. <laughs> so it, it's a little more interesting with the coaching thing. But anyway, so I get into these conversations in this mastermind and I realize I have a skill set in education. I have a skill set in like teaching people, guiding people through things. Um, I was interested in just like what they were doing, how they were living their lives. It was appealing to me. And by the end of that mastermind experience, I'm like, yeah, I would like to do what they're doing. So um, I came out of that kind of on fire, ready to do it. I mean, I fumbled through it for, I don't know, six to 12 months saying like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this type of coaching or I'm going to do that type of coaching. I remember like I was a relationship coach for a minute. I told, I said I was a mindset coach for a, a little while. Like I was all over the place. Um, I eventually kind of landed on just like, I'm a men's coach. I'm here to, to serve men, help men. And you know, now I've, I've kind of really settled into that, that specific and unique angle that I was talking about before. Um, so that was kind of the, the beginning of it all was through that mastermind kind of seeing that I could hang with these guys that were doing it full time, living their lives in a way that I thought was really cool. I actually met Julian in that same mastermind. We were both kind of the young bucks of, uh, of that crew. And, you know, him and I just kept in touch ever since then. And then, you know, six months ago, eight months ago, I was like, Julian, 
I think it's time we did a podcast because we have too much fun just talking to each other. <laughs> Let's just do it on, on the internet so people can listen to us. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it started. We kind of had the same thing going on. Like, uh, we were like, oh, we have a lot of fun just being dumb. So we started filming all of our stuff. <laughs> sure. Okay. And we put it on YouTube. And <laughs> people started following it. And we were like, hmm, okay. So we started coming up with new ideas and things like that. And then, uh, I got, I decided since I went through a divorce and I've got uh, two kids with uh, two other women that are not my wife. Um, when I went through all of this and I saw a lot of guys struggling and, and stuff with their divorce and their separations and things, I was like, I'm going to help these guys out. Well, I found out I'm not a coach. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an educator. There's no, no so I, I totally tanked that. I fell flat on my face and mm. it's all good. Yeah. So and then uh, I got into a podcast. I recorded an episode and with, uh, with the lady who interviewed me and I don't talk like I'm not a storyteller or anything like that. And I was like, okay, podcasting isn't for me either. <laughs> right. And here we are. <laughs> Brad and I got together and we were like, you know, we feed off of each other so well anyway. And we're, to us, we're funny. <laughs> yeah. I think Julian and I are the same way. We're like, we're pretty funny guys, aren't we? And my, <laughs> my wife like jokes with me all the time. Like, you're dad funny, but like, you're not stand up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's fair. I'll take it. Well, kid, that's, I think I'm funny. that's the thing that we came up with on our first, it really wasn't our first episode. We were just kind of meeting with Frank Sell, who's the owner and CEO of Baby Beard Club. And I mean, we were like, we're going to meet for 20 minutes, do a video, kind of go over products. It was like an hour and a half later. We're like, we did really good at that. <laughs> we're got, better at got the itch. questions. We're doing better at interviewing than being the interviewee. Yeah. I see. I see. That's cool, man. That's awesome. So, I mean, getting like teaching is, is one thing. Yeah. Coaching is a whole different animal i would think sure like what was the hardest part for you in that transition or is there anything that you've really failed at that you would want to share yeah i think the the hardest part about the coaching thing um wasn't so much the actual coaching i think there's always going to be a learning curve when you're kind of getting into a new role whether you're like switching roles in a company or starting something new for yourself um, but for me, like being a teacher, you show up, they give you a paycheck every couple of weeks and that's that. Like you don't have to sell anybody on anything. You don't have to enroll clientele. Like the kids show up at the classroom, you do your thing, they go home, you go home, everybody's happy. Well, the kids, I don't know if they're happy. They're happy when um, they go home. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they are happy when they're going home. That's right. Uh, I tend to, I think they tend to be happy in my room cause I'm kind of a goofy dude, but so like the, the hardest part about the coaching thing was owning the part of it that was the, the entrepreneur, the businessman, like being okay, asking people for money and making sales and, and not being weird about it. Because in the beginning, trust me, I was weird. <laughs> it was like, I always kind of joke about this now with my clients is it's not something that I would say out loud and nobody, and this isn't just specific to me, but when you are trying to sell someone on something and you don't either believe in the value or like you're just being mucked up in your own mindset around money and the exchange of it and everything. Like 
you have this energy, this vibe that is saying out loud, even though your words aren't saying it, like, you know, you don't have to take the money. It's fine. <laughs> it's really okay if you don't. I don't want to trouble you. Like, it's always kind of like this, this weird um, dynamic. So like, I had to really shake that and, um, and get used to knowing that the service that I provide is valuable and worthy of, of someone investing their money because it's not so much about them paying me. Like that's a cool byproduct, but it's them betting on themselves. Like I've had to rework what it means for me to make a sale. Like in the beginning of my business, it was like making a sale means that I'm taking someone's money. And that is the worst possible way to, to try to make sales in anything because as humans, we like to try to be good human beings for the most part. And if that's the narrative that I'm telling myself about how I'm selling my services, then I'm going to feel bad every time I land a client, like how it's a shitty way to run a business. So it was, it was a lot of, you know, I, I had coaches along the way and mentors as well that allowed me to kind of see this for myself and, and work through it. And, you know, now I, I truly do see it as like, I'm giving them the opportunity to bet on themselves. If they find what I do to be valuable, I'm not going to be shy about offering that service to them because you know, if they see like, just like I was saying with, with Tommy and that mastermind, I was ready to throw him money because I, I wanted to jump into something that made me evolve into a different human being. So there's just um, so many guys that are ready for that. And in the beginning, I probably missed out on them because I was too caught up in my weird mind and saying like, I feel bad that you're about to give me money. And of course that made it really hard to make any sales. So that was the the hardest part was the money mindset and the money mindset I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and just people in general is one of the hardest things to kind of unravel and see and, and understand the truth of it all. Um, just because just like gender roles and everything, there's a lot of conditioning around what money means and the exchange of money, the flow of money, the energy of it and everything like that. Like our parents, whatever you saw from your parents, and this goes for a lot of areas of life, it tends to be like true for you because you grew up as an eight-year-old and it just kind of cooked itself back here in the back of your brain and you don't think about it. But when you grow up and you're an adult and now you're making your own decisions, when it comes to money, like you better have that thing right because <laughs> otherwise you're just gonna repeat the same patterns. And if your, if your parents had good patterns for, for money, cool if they had patterns that were go to a day job, make money the way that I was as a teacher, still am as a teacher, I just go serve your time, go home, everybody's happy. Starting your own business is gonna be daunting. And it was for me. So that was kind of the, the leap that I needed to take and figure out was how do I offer my services in a way that doesn't come off as like me really not wanting someone to take a, a chance on me. Cause it, it took a while for me to figure that one out. I like that. I really do like that. That's, I mean, that's something that me and Kevin are still talking about because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. Like you, you could be in it. And I think to a certain level, I'm always going to be in it and I'm, I'm air quoting. And I know that this, I don't know if this is going to be visual at some point, but it's a podcast and it's audio either way. Um, I do this on my podcast too. And I air quote and Julian's like, we're going to have to invent something so that the air quote that people will kind of feel the vibration or something so they understand because otherwise this is useless that you keep doing this. I've gone on a tangent. Anyway, um, you kind of are always going to be in a moment that feels like you're struggling or fumbling through it. But when you look back, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, we did kind of back then, but along the way we figured things out. Like I, I can look back at 
that first, you know, six months to a year of me calling myself a coach and know that it was, it was awkward. It was funky. It was weird. And, um, you know, if I didn't fumble through that, I wouldn't have figured it out and, and gotten to where I am now. And I know that in five years from now, I'm going to look back at right in this moment, talking to you guys saying like, wow, he was doing some real dumb stuff back then because that was elementary. And then, then I'm going to go to middle school or whatever in high school and just keep graduating to whatever's next. So you're always going to kind of not know. <laughs> and then it's going to be looking back on it and be like, oh yeah, I kind of learned something along the way. It's all good. Well, it is dumb to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying specifically talking to you guys. Is <laughs> Almost got you to figure tea out. <laughs> well in five years if i look back on this specific moment and i realize that i will make sure to message you both and say hey i can't believe you guys swindled me into this <laughs> we we both talk about that a couple of times we're like you know what happens if like 10 years down the road and let's say this thing's really profitable and really good and somebody goes hey i hated talking to you are we gonna laugh at it and go yes we got a hater <laughs> embrace the haters it's attention it's attention and awareness it's, it's all so good weird. like that's my ultimate goal get haters, <laughs> get yeah. haters. well you got to start saying some more outlandish shit on here then <laughs> oh you should see us on our youtube <laughs> our, our youtube's a little bit less uh toned down okay all right well i wish i would have known about the youtube while i was uh on the couch sick for the last few days because i was in quarantine <laughs> down here in the basement I had nothing to do I mean I was reading books I'm like oh I'm a husband and father and I got all these things that I'm doing podcasting coaching teaching like I almost never have time to do the things that I like to do and I make time for the things that are important to me don't get me wrong but like sitting down and reading a book for like 45 minutes and not being interrupted by anything is nearly impossible with you know the the, the life that I'm, I'm currently leading so I'm like, oh, great. I'm in quarantine. I'm starting to feel a little bit better while in quarantine. So I actually have faculties that can allow me to sit and read a book. But after like reading it for an hour, I'm like, okay, now what? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I read a book for an hour. Cool. I could meditate for a half hour. Sure. Um, that still leaves me with about 22 and a half hours. So what, what now? Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting to have that much idle time <laughs> when you tend to be a pretty busy guy. Yeah, I've been there. I actually, <laughs> I got so bored uh, recently. I just laid down on the floor and stared at the wall for an hour. Hey, man, that's cool. Like, find oh, find some stillness. Bored. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah, my wife always asks what's wrong with me because I I don't I don't do well just sitting and doing nothing. Yeah. And uh, she goes, "Well, you're really sick." I know. Why are you going outside? Because I got to move. I've already cleaned my gun seven times. I can't do it anymore. I can't play a video game because I'm bored now. And Yeah, I mean, if I sit and do nothing, I will drive myself crazy. And then I'll get in trouble because I'll do something that gets me in trouble with my wife. Gotcha. So it's in your best interest to go outside and move. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, you're welcome. I'm going to go outside. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're in an hour and some time. Hour and some time. It's very accurate. Yes. <laughs> we are very good with math here. I dig it. <laughs> so, Brad, is there any follow-up questions that you had? Um, 
I think the one question that we've always asked every every podcast should be asked. And is it okay. feature? Because this will be awesome. Yes. Okay. Have at it, man. So, what is your personal idea of success? Ah, okay. My personal idea of success is showing up as myself in all roles that I play, whether it be teaching, coaching, husband, father, and knowing that showing up as myself is exactly what needs to be done for everything else to make sense and make, you know, to, to come to fruition for me. So I'm talking like financially, health and fitness, family stuff. Like I know that everything else clicks when I am not being, you know, fake when I'm showing up authentically. So like in my coaching business, if I'm not being dad funny and I air quote it again, God damn it. (laughs) If if I'm not being dad funny and just being a goofy dude while coaching my clients, it's not going to work out well because I'm going to be too in my head. If I'm, you know, hanging out with my wife and my kid and I'm not being a softy and a hopeless romantic because that's who I am, it's not going to work out well because they're not seeing the real me. So like success to me is just, knowing consciously and through experience that I get to show up as myself and everything else gets to figure itself out around that rather than trying to plug some inauthentic version of myself into what everybody else calls success. That's success to me. So the, the super short version, what you're saying is being present and being your truest self in every situation. That was very astute of you to, to narrow it down into a nice little thing like that. I appreciate that. Well, we asked uh, um, uh, Dave daily, and I said, we asked him what his idea of it, and he goes, it's simple, your terms. And I was like, okay, that's going to have to spin the wheels in my brain a little bit to fully (laughs) understand those two words. Yeah, man, I like that. And it was like, what, two or three weeks later, I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah, he sent me me a Marco Polo. Dude, it just snapped. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. It kind of hated me for a while, so <laughs> I like funny. it. Though. I like it a lot. That was actually a really good answer. I've never heard one that was in that uh, in that realm of thinking. Yeah, well, thank you, and I, I like your terms too. I'm gonna think of that, and maybe it'll click for. I, I think I kind of get it right now, so I, I won't, you know have this eruption of, of thought in two or three weeks. But I think it's a, a pretty sweet and simple way to think of it. Like, yeah, success is just living life on your terms, not worrying about anybody else. It's great. Yeah. I also think the reason why it took us two weeks to figure that out is he, we expected something short and small and he gave us more information that we could probably process in two years I see. and value that we could deal with. And I've let my, my wife listens to it. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. And she goes, I learn something new every time I go, I know that's why it's awesome. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. we do it with, I don't know about Kevin, but I listen to our podcast over and over again to listen to everybody else's inputs on everything. Sure. And it just, I keep learning more and more from those. Yeah, um, man. What we have six of them made three of them out right now. And mm. it's, I don't know. I think there's just going to be so much value in each video or, podcast that we released that i mean it's going to be hard for you not to you know pull something out yeah and i love that you're going back to it repeatedly because i I think at least in my experience i've gotten the most out of going deep on something rather than 
like trying to get 80 flavors of the same thing. Like I, especially when I became a dad, because my time became limited in terms of my, especially reading. Reading was like a big thing before me, like having a, a kid. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have like 45 minutes to read silently in the morning when I get up early, yada, yada, yada. Not a thing anymore. So I went from reading like two books a month to reading, I don't know, maybe a book every six months. I don't even know. Um, so it, it became, okay, I'm not, I, had, I do have a full bookshelf over here, but I'm going to pick one and I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to read it for six months. And then I'm going to go back and take notes or whatever, because the depth that you get from kind of seeing it in a different way, because as every time you hear it, you've grown a little bit, you've thought about it differently. It's just a cooler way to think about personal development than just reading 80,000 books, posting it on Instagram and saying, I'm a cool dude. I think it's, it's even better to re listen to one episode over and over or, you know, read one book over and over and just get it in your soul rather than just getting it up here. Cause if it's stuck up in your head, that's great. But unless you like completely understand it and live it and do all of that, you kind of lose it. That's cool. I think it's easier for you in your platform because you and Julian have this podcast where every podcast has a subject. You can really deep dive into that subject every time. Oh, you're saying like every um, episode we put out, there's like one thing and then we're just like, all right, let's talk about this for an hour or 45 minutes. Yeah. Whereas we have a new person and we kind of get, and it's, a, it's about the individual. So sure, it's like, it's, we tend to deep dive and then we kind of like sidewall ourselves and end up in left field and then kind of start getting back into it. <laughs> and that's fine, man. It's all good. Cool. Um, I want to have you tell everyone where they can find you, uh, whether it be social media, your website, um, everything like that. Cool. Throw out, throw out your big promotion, promote yourself. Oh, let's see. I'm going to get my list over here. Put them on the sponsor. <laughs> I don't actually have a list. Um, places where I'm most active is on Instagram. It's Nick underscore moving past mediocre. Um, on Facebook, it's just my name. So it's Nick and then my last name. Although it sounds like Maytash, it is spelled like M-A-T-I-A-S-H. So you can find me over there. Um, I also have a, a group on Facebook called The Evolved Man. And it's really about... Uh, kind of taking some of the things that you heard me talk about with my coaching stuff about really an understanding and engaging life through your emotional lenses um, and bringing that to a general conversation with a community of guys so that more guys can kind of have a, a safe space to open up and talk about things, whether they be celebrating and, and saying like, this is amazing or talking about some stuff that maybe they're trying to figure out and having some resistance to. So you can go find the Evolved Man on Facebook, um, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram those are generally the best spots to find me. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah, that's all I got. For <laughs> and go buy that book. And yes, yeah. go buy the book and listen to the podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Don't be a jerk and just listen to it without subscribing. Nobody likes those people. <laughs> and throw them a review and everything else. Actually, you know mm -hmm. what? Uh, super weird, but like every time I lay can't wait. Up, I'm like, I'm going to listen to the next new episode. So I'm like, I'll just sit there and relax and soak and then just like soak in the, the knowledge. Nice. That you get dropped, so. Cool. Nice. Uh, Have you listened to the one from this week yet or no? No, I haven't yet. Okay. It's a good one. I enjoyed it myself. I, <laughs> there's a lot of stupid jokes in there too. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's a lot of dad jokes. 
<laughs> no, the, these ones were actually from Julian. Like at the end of our episodes, we usually try to offer some kind of takeaway. And uh, to pitch it back to me, he said something like, Nick, what's your uh, tangible takeaway taco? And then I just being befuddled with like just confusion. I'm like, what? What is it? Huh? <laughs> and then it, there's this back and forth and it's, yeah, listen to it. It's good. <laughs> but it wasn't my dad joke, I promise. <laughs> I'm going to have to add that. I, I listen to four podcasts a day is usually okay. every day they're, they're going through. Yeah, and uh, hop that yours on there and listen to your stuff. Yeah, give it a listen. I think we're we're decent people. We know a few things, and we're I almost called us funny. We're funny to <laughs> us. We're funny to us. It's whatever. Don't worry. We say the same thing because we think we're funny, so we're funny. I think. Yeah, I think most guys think they're funny. <laughs> I think it's just a general thing. And I'm then your wife's like, guy. "You're stupid. Stop." Right, like you got good dad jokes. That's about it. Yeah. I'll make a joke. My daughter's like, really, dad? You're dumb. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I, I can't wait for that day. I'm so ecstatic about that day. My daughter's only 20 months, so I got some time. But <laughs> All right. I want to stop recording.